there is a balm in Gilead. Brian, Evan, thank you so much for that. I would mention uh, Brian is an internationally known uh, handbell guy. He did a podcast with me recently. My podcast is called Maybe I'm Amazed. You can check that out. I learned so much. He was just a, a great guest. So uh, check that out. Good morning and welcome to our 11 o'clock worship service on this Transfiguration Sunday. Season of Epiphany is drawing to a close. Lent begins this week. Welcome to those of you in the room. Many more we know who are joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way today. Uh, my name is James Howell. It is my privilege to be one of the pastors here. And as I look around the room, a lot of you are visiting with us. A few of you I met, you're from out of town, but others you're from in town. Regardless, we are honored that you have taken your time to come here and to worship with us. We really are. And we hope before you get away, you'll leave uh, some kind of contact information, a mailing address, email address, cell phone number. Uh, we'd love to uh, reach out to you and begin the process of befriending one another, see if you have questions about church, life, world, or the ways that we can pray for you. Uh, so do leave that, one of the attendance pads. We have QR codes, all kinds of things. So uh, again, I'm James Howell. I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship here with you all and to see so many of you in this space here to worship God together. Um, as we look forward, there is an Enneagram workshop that the church will be hosting in March that we encourage you to sign up for. It's a Friday night to a Saturday day, and that'll be an incredible opportunity to learn more about yourself and ways in which we can grow in our spirituality and our own health. Um, so that'll be a great opportunity. It's also the week, Lent starts this week. Uh, believe it or not, this upcoming Wednesday will be Ash Wednesday, and we will be here. We will be worshiping together as a church at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. There are also some other opportunities for engagement during the Lent season that we encourage you to look at in your bulletin. Uh, we also want to invite you to join a Lenten small group. Uh, that's a great way to grow in your faith, to be in community as we enter into this Lenten season together. Let us continue to worship God together in this place of worship.
Church, it is so good to hear so many voices praising God's name. Let us use those voices to affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed found in our bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Friends, it is our great privilege and joy to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism today. Uh, Emily and Ryan Gibson bring their daughter, Maylin Ruth, and Whitney and B.J. Kelly bring their son, Andrew Cameron, if you'd come forward. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin if so, say, we do. Do you confess Christ as your savior, put your trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say, we do. And when you nurture these children in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, profess their faith openly, and lead a Christian life, if so, say, we will. And will you, the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include these families now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround these families with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in a way that leads to life? If so, say, we will. Friends, let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, you delivered them through the sea, their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he calls on his disciples to share on the baptism of his death and resurrection. Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in your final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen, Ruth Gibson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Andrew Cameron Kelly, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, therefore let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Children of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. Friends, we have the privilege today of receiving new members into the life of our church. As we always say, uh, they've always been family of our church long before this day, but this is an outward sign of their inward commitment to be members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, uh, to participate in Christian discipleship as a family of God here together. Uh, they receive zero benefits of joining our church, unlike any other membership. Although they do get name tags, some of them haven't even gotten their name tags yet, so they're going to get that later. But instead, this is their way of saying we're going to be even more intentional to give ourselves, to offer ourselves in the life of the church and in Christian discipleship. So I'm going to go around and invite them to say their names and where they grew up. Good morning. I'm Tyler Sherman from Greenville, South Carolina. I'm Ashley Sherman from Greenville, South Carolina. John Stanford, Denver, Colorado. Courtney Stanford, Macon, Georgia. Lucinda Sexton, I'm from Newberry, Charleston, South Carolina, and been here since 95. Okay. Austin Bergstrom, and I'm from right here in Charlotte. Catherine Ann Early, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Hey, Anna Noftal, Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, good morning, Travis Noftal from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Amanda Works, I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Donald Works, Manish Fort, Alabama. Kate Mitchell, Mooresville, North Carolina. Mike Mitchell, Charlotte, North Carolina. Emily McLaughlin, St. Simons Island, Georgia. Connor McLaughlin, Suwannee, Georgia. Right. Susie Stancil, Tacoa, Georgia. Clint Stancil, Jackson, Georgia. It's four Georgians in a row. Yeah, all right. <laughs> John Fraley, Cherryville, or Cherville, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Spencer, Gastonia, North Carolina. Wonderful. We welcome you, friends, with the love of Christ, and we are honored and excited that you will be with us on our journey toward a meaningful faith and humble service. And so I ask you, will you strive with us to follow Jesus Christ, put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve God's people and the world? If so, please say, we will. As members of the body of Christ here at Mars Park United Methodist Church, will you faithfully engage in ministry by your prayer, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please say, we will. Family of God, I commend these new friends to your love and care. Will you do all in your power to encourage and walk with them as together we strive to increase our faith, confirm our hope, and grow in love and compassion? If so, please say, we will. We will. We will. We give thanks for all that God has given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. May God continue to establish you and to strengthen you. 
that you may be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ as the newest members of our church family. Following our service, they're going to process out with us. They'll be on my left side exit outside. So we invite you to welcome them. Let them know how glad we are that they're with us here at Mars Park. Let's welcome them now. As our new members make their way back to their pew, it is so good to see the ways in which our church is growing. Um, one of the beautiful gifts about being a church family and growing our, in our faith is that we can safely confess our sins together each week. So join me in our prayer of confession found in our bulletin. Oh God, cast your light in the shadows, illuminate the darkness in our hearts, May Christ be seen in the church and in our lives. Help us to be the light to the world. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 17, beginning with the first verse. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ben, thank you for that reading. It uh, contains one of my favorite moments uh, in all of Scripture. It says, uh, they fell on their faces in awe. And they fell on their faces in awe. Uh, recently, a friend of mine in the church, Chris, uh, commended a book to me, not knowing I would be preaching today on awe. He said, you ought to look at this book. The title of the book is Awe, surprise. 
It's by a guy named uh, Dacker Keltner. He's done an extensive study of awe. He studied, he interviewed people across 26 cultures all around the world. And he asked them, like, what is it that strikes awe into you? What, what gives you goosebumps? What leaves you a little breathless? What leaves you dumbfounded? He also did a scientific study of it. Like, what, what happens within us biologically that creates the goosebumps and leaves you uh, speechless? It's a great book. He says this, awe is the emotion we experience when we encounter vast mysteries that we just don't fully understand. Awe reveals that our current knowledge is not up to the task of making sense of what we have encountered. And he uh, assesses things that cause awe, and he divides it into eight categories, which I want to um, list for you now. I know you'll want to uh, keep track of these for the pop quiz that will come at the end of the service. Uh, he's talking about eight kinds of things that uh, cause awe. One is moral beauty. Moral beauty is when you see some great act of courage, some great sacrifice on behalf of someone who is hurting, someone overcoming an obstacle. You know, you see that. Somebody, they've got just severe challenges and they overcome the obstacle. It's just so inspiring. It leaves you speechless. I think about my uncle who stepped off a transport and waded onto a beach in Normandy. That's awesome. Moral courage. Black History Month is perfect. Black History Month provides us with countless instances of moral courage. They walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Oh, my goodness. Moral beauty. Uh, there is also a collective, what he calls collective effervescence. Uh, his example of this is you go to a football game. This always happens to me. I go to a football game, and I notice the wave has started. And I'm a little grumpy at first. I'm like, oh, the wave. But the second time around, I'm going, whoa! And I wait for it to come again. It's so cool. You get caught up in the frenzy of being with other people. You know, I mean, you maybe go to a wedding, and you're just a guest at the wedding, but then you're getting tears in your eyes. It's collective effervescent. Uh, maybe church is like that at times. Uh, there's also nature, yeah, obviously. You know, you see the ocean, you see a mountain crag, you find a mushroom. <laughs> in the forest is just all over the place. Music uh, can create awe. You're going to hear an anthem in a few moments. It will give you goosebumps. Uh, human design, you see things that people have made. I have visited Mayan ruins and medieval cathedrals. And if you stand at such places and think about when they were made by people, your jaw drops in awe. Uh, there's spiritual awe. People have experiences of God, and it's hard even to speak of it. There's also the, there's life and death. You know, if you're at the birth uh, of an infant, I don't know, I don't think it's possible. If you're at the birth of an infant, if you just yawn and go, oh, yeah, it's just another day. I mean, this child is born, and you go, oh, and you go, you five fingers, and your tears come to your eyes, and you're so happy, right? Or maybe it's death. If you're at the deathbed of someone that you love, there's some great awe in that, isn't there? Like the grief might be thick, but at the same time, there's something awesome about life and death. There are epiphanies when something dawns on you. <laughs> the example that Keltner gives in his book is when the uh, investigative journalist Bernstein and Woodward were putting all the pieces together of what had happened around Watergate, and finally the pieces all came together one day with one last piece of evidence. They looked at each other and they said, oh my goodness, Richard Nixon is going to be impeached. It's an epiphany of a moment, an epiphany. Uh, these things give you the shivers, they give you goosebumps, there are no words. Sometimes you just say, whoa, wow, you, you can't speak. When my daughter Sarah was born, I went out to report this to my mother-in-law who was in the waiting room. And when I walked in, I'm a professional talker, no words. <laughs> no words would come. The problem that you and I have is that uh, we have lost our sense of awe. We have lost our sense of awe. We're cynical people. You hear a story about Jesus glowed one day, and if you're a cynic, you say, people don't glow. And you mean this in two ways. You mean it scientifically, like 
Skin doesn't glow. If it glowed, you know, it might melt off you. I mean, who knows? Clothes don't glow. They're made of cotton, polyester. I don't know what this is made of. It, it doesn't glow, right? So we, we get cynical. But let me say to you, friends, that if you live within the straight jacket of there's only cause and effect, that's a straight jacket, there's only cause and effect, then you will have a very skinny soul. Because if there's only cause and effect, there's no real reason to dream. There's no real reason to hope. There's no place for awe. The other reason we say nobody glows is that all the cool people have been debunked, right? Sometimes somebody comes on and you think, wow, this person's going to be cool, but then ah, it's just like, like a politician comes along. And you hear her at first and you think, wow, she's the one. And the, but then there's some scandal and something gets unearthed and that always happens. So we're just cynical about people. But when you do this, then what we wind up with is, 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 is we, get, uh, we get, we complain uh, we get angry. Maybe the person that's debunked, it, it's me. And then you feel guilt. But if you've got anger and guilt, there's no room for awe. If you have anger and guilt, there's no room for dreaming. If you have anger and guilt, there's no such thing as awe, which God clearly uh, created us for. Uh, when Keltner studied those... Uh, people across 26 cultures. I mean, that's a lot, all over the world. He talked to thousands of people. What gives you goosebumps? What creates awe? He said not one person out of them all said money. I think it's a funny line, isn't it? Yeah. Not one of them across 26 cultures named anything that they had purchased. Not one person across 26 cultures said, my cell phone and the things that are in my cell phone. Not one person across 26 cultures named television. Not one person across 26 cultures named Facebook. What people did report across those 26 cultures is so interesting is that when you are awestruck, and Kelder says, this can happen all the time. This stuff is all over the place. You just, just got to be looking for it. When you are awestruck, uh, your, your egotism, your self-criticism, your judgment of others, and your anxiety, it, it calms down. Like, if you are in awe, it's hard to be critical of another person, including yourself. If you are stammering in awe over something amazing, it's hard to be anxious in that moment. So interesting. God loves awe. Uh, my wife and I uh, had, we were struck with unexpected awe day before yesterday. Uh, we were on vacation last week. We went to New York, caught a couple shows, went down to Princeton, New Jersey. And uh, it was Thursday night. We were at the bar of the B&B &B where we were staying. And I, I was kind of complaining and apologizing to my bride. Because when, when we travel, some of you have traveled with me, uh, nothing's left to chance. I plan everything. We know what's going to happen day to day. It's all, it's great. And so the trip is planned. And what I had planned for Friday, it, it, it was out of doors. And the weather forecast said, it's going to rain all day. And I said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't come up with a rain plan. What a doofus I am. I, what are we going to do now? We got a day in New Jersey. <laughs> and the, the guy next to me says, uh, you need to go to Robbinsville. I didn't know there was a Robbinsville in New Jersey. And I said, why? He said, um, there's this Hindu temple there. I said, yeah, so? He said, it is the most splendid building I have ever seen. And I said, do you get out much? <laughs> But we didn't have anything else to do, so we said, oh, let's try the Hindu temple. It's not actually in Robbinsville. It's out in the country from Robbinsville. So it's in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. So we drive there, and uh, we saw this Hindu temple, and I can report to you uh, that this is the most splendid, sacred building I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> I travel to see sacred buildings. If I am anywhere, I find the sacred buildings and I look at them. This, I don't have the words to describe it. I posted some photos on Facebook, but even the photos just don't capture. This building 
It's a Hindu temple. It is absolutely carving, marble imported from Italy, hand-carved in India. Just everywhere you look, there was something that was absolutely amazing, but that was next to something else that was absolutely, and I was trying to find words to talk to Elise about it, and I was just like, honey, look, uh, all I could do is point and say, look at that. Look at that. We just were awe-struck. God loves all. I think it's why Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Grown-ups get very cynical and jaded, and we say nobody goes, but kids are willing to say, like, wow, look at that dandelion. Kids. Awe. Uh, Jesus, uh, there's the day that they said that he glowed. I wondered what that was, like the shining. Like, did his skin really change? Did his clothes really change? Or was it something that the disciples perceived? Did, was it a moment when finally his whole story came together for them on that mountain? That's a dangerous, like, high-up place to be. On that mountain, his story finally came together, and it, and it made sense. And they thought, oh, the, he, he is he is God come down to earth, his birth, his teaching. His, you ever had that happen? Somebody, you know them, you're with them forever, and then something happens, something is said, and suddenly it all makes sense. I think about my father when he was dying. The last time I saw him, he had always been a tough man. But there on his deathbed, that one day, he suddenly was tender and generous and sweet. And I thought, is he faking it? Did he just get this yesterday? Or had it always been there, but he had to hide it? Or maybe I didn't notice it, right? You ever had that? Everything comes together. And thinking of everything coming together, I mean, what we believe about Jesus is that God came down to earth. And I thought about the people that I encountered in that Hindu temple who were amazing. I wanted to bring every volunteer there back to our church and post them at the doors. <laughs> they were fabulous. You walk in, oh, we are so glad you're here. Where are you from? Oh, you're saying, and they sounded like United Methodists. They kept saying, we are here for all people. I must have heard all people 47 times while we were in the building. We are here for all people. All people are welcome here. All people can pray. It was really lovely. I know Christians who would judge them and say, you are so wrong being Hindu. But I'm standing in this most magnificent of all sacred spaces I have ever seen, and they did that for God. And what have I done for God? <laughs> they did that for God, and I think God is honored by that. I think God is pleased with that. I think anytime we have awe, like we're getting close to God, we're getting a glimpse of the mind and the heart of God. And that's the thing that's special in our faith is that, is that God became human. It's hard to believe. And I think God knew that going in. It's going to be hard for people to believe, and I'm not mad at them if they don't. It's hard to believe. It's wonderful to believe. It's amazing. How do I put it? Lent is the season, uh, I'm rethinking this, Lent is the season for us to cultivate awe. We talk about giving up something from Lent. There, for Lent. There actually are some things we need to give up for Lent in order to cultivate awe. You remember when he studied 26 cultures, nobody said that their cell phone brought them awe. Maybe you need to disconnect from that thing for a while. One of the days that we were out, we were in New York City. We left in the morning, and we got about a mile from our hotel, and I realized, oh, I left my phone back. And I, had, I mean, look, I have to tell you, I had this like, Aah! Like, we says, what's wrong with you? Almost passed out on the pavement. I said, like, I forgot my phone. Oh, it won't go back. And you know, this is, you're not going to believe this. We were out all day and didn't get back until after a Broadway show that night, and I survived. <laughs> we had a good day. And when I picked up my phone, I thought, oh, something important's going to be there. There was nothing of any importance on my phone. So how do we disconnect in order to connect with God? How do we slow down? Uh, I talk to people as, as I get older. I said that a few weeks ago. I said, as I get older, somebody said, dude, you've already done it. <laughs> but as I get older, uh, what I notice is that time goes faster as you get older. You know, when you're six, like Christmas will never come. 
But when you're my age, like five years ago felt like five minutes ago. And parents, you see them with their children. They think, oh, the time it flies by. Like you baptize them and then they're off to college, like just like that. And we get anxious about time flying. And, and my wisdom now is this, is that because time flies, the only way to slow things down is to slow down. We think time flies, I better get it all in. But actually, the only way to slow things down is to slow down. There's also, this is other as I get older thing. I know some older people, maybe you know them too. They're in their 80s and 90s, and they are very curious. Right? They're just always wondering about things and learning. I want to grow up to be like that. I know people that aren't like that, and maybe you do too. Some older people, they're no longer curious. They've got everything figured out. And if you are mistaken about something, they're having to inform you how you are mistaken about the things that they have all, if I become this person, kick me hard in the rear end. I don't want to be that person. If you aren't curious, there's no awe. If you aren't curious, there's no dream. If you aren't curious, I want to be curious as we get older. Awe, uh, it inspires you to be better, doesn't it? But I think about uh, John Lewis, he'd already twice in his young life been beaten within an inch of his life, but yet he came to that Edmund Pettus Bridge and he walked across it again, knowing Klansmen were waiting for him because he had a commitment to do good. And that makes me want to be better. Anytime, this wasn't in my notes, but I said it earlier. I actually know a, a pastor who lives near Robbinsville, North Carolina. I was talking to her a few years back, and she told me this thing. She said, you know, any, anytime somebody looks at me and they say, oh, I, I like your earrings, she just pulls them off and gives them to them. I thought, wow, Karen, that's amazing. So after I talked to her, this is incredible timing. After I talked to her, I had to go to the bank. I go to the bank. I'm doing my business with the teller, and he looks at me, and he says, dude, I like that tie you're wearing. And I was like, oh. Pulled it off, gave it to him. He was so delighted. <laughs> when you see good and you're in awe of it, it makes you want to be better. And it changes how we think about church. I talk about what kind of church do we want to be. There are a lot of churches right now, a lot of them are Methodist churches, and they're confused. They think church is for us. It's our club. Or they think church is the moral police. We pass judgment on people out. That's not what God wants of the church. What God wants of the church, I think it's like those guys that were at the bar. I thought about this. I'm at the bar. I'm whining to Lisa. Like, oh, I messed up. The guy next to me could have said, yeah, dude, you really messed up. Should have had a rain plan. Right? Or he could have, preferred mode, just ignored me. That's like the easiest thing to do. But what did he do? He looked over and he said, you got to go to Robbinsville. And the first thing he said wasn't the Hindu temple. By the way, he said, there is a pizza place there called De Lorenzo's. It is the best pizza in America. And then he told me about the Hindu temple. We drive to Robbinsville. He sounded full of conviction. We got the pizza. It is the best pizza in America. In Ro Who knew? And then we go to the Hindu temple. And the reason, the reason I say this to you is I hope that we can be the kind of church that will say, like, you got to see this. you got to try this. this. This place is amazing. This, this God is really something. Uh, this community is it's just so wonderful. <laughs> this life with God, it, 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 I, it leaves me speechless. It leaves me speechless. I think when we do that, when we cultivate awe, we discover this beautiful self. Jesus is transfigured. The Greek word is the same as metamorphosis. You know, that's, uh, you get that crusty cocoon, doesn't look like anything, so something you ought to throw in the trash. But man, there's a beautiful butterfly in there. There's a beautiful person in you, this beautiful church in our church. I said, just fall on your face <laughs> in awe. God's strewn it all over the place for us. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us go to God in prayer together.
Spirit of the living God, we gather in your house of worship to praise you. In you, we encounter hope that never ends and grace that perseveres. So enable each of us to hear your calling in our lives, to grow into a person who humbly discerns what to do in the light of your will and your desires for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We always make times for the things we value most. So we ask for your forgiveness for when we neglect to take time to love your words and to love your world as you command. Teach us your truth so that we may be in all. And may we speak of your truth, not with harshness, but with mercy and joy. Discipline us in spaces of our rebellion and resistance. Forgive us for not recognizing hope in the midst of disappointments and trusting in your resurrection, even in the midst of suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we lament. We lament for your children who do suffer near and far, our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, and now in parts of Syria and Turkey, countless refugees around the world, displaced people seeking a new home, people in our own nation, in our own neighborhoods, in need of food, shelter, and safety. So many people in different places in our nation who are harmed and killed by gun violence, including in our own city of Charlotte. The list goes on and on. What will you have us to do, O oh God? How may we be the faithful hands of Christ for those in need who cry out desperately? So free our clenched hands so that we can be intentional, generous, hospitable, and sacrificial in reaching out with our open hands in the name of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Oh God, we believe in your goodness at all times, in all places, in all circumstances. It is because we believe in your goodness that we can pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As Pastor Taylor mentioned earlier, Lent is quickly upon us. We have Ash Wednesday services. We have Lent small group that begins a week from tomorrow. We also have Lent devotions, daily devotion available for you. If you've not received it, you can pick it up on the way out. It's sponsored by our Stephen Ministry. It is through your intentional generosity and God's continuous goodness that we can do all these things. So as the ushers come forward this morning, uh, let us receive our morning tithes and offering with great thanksgiving.
Loving and gracious God, we are in awe of your goodness. Uh, you are a giver of all good things, and we uh, give, offer a portion of that which you first given to us. And this gift may be shared to share your good news and to make disciples of your people. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.